0: To a Hope 1032 podcast. In this month long tour of the New Testament book of James, written by the brother of Jesus himself, we've arrived at the end of chapter 2. That's chapter 2, verses 20 to 26. Open your Bible and follow along if you can. If not, no problem. James has just been speaking about the need to care for the poor, not just to bless the poor spiritually, but to really care for them in a practical way. Let me read you what James goes on to say. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Well, these paragraphs are among the most controversial in the whole Bible. Throughout their history of the church, some church leaders have believed that James's teaching contradicts what Paul says about justification by faith. And so some church leaders even said that we should be cautious about James. The reality is, though, James and Paul were emphasising different things for different audiences. And once we recognise this, their teachings turn out to be complementary, not contradictory at all. See, Paul often wrote to Gentiles, that's non-Jews, who were nervous that the blessings of the Jewish Messiah were only available to those who submitted themselves to the laws of the Old Testament. To this group, Paul emphasised that salvation comes not through the Jewish law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. When Paul said this, though, he never meant that you could have faith in Jesus without being committed to Jesus' path of love. For Paul, like James, in fact... Works of love are the fundamental expression of having faith in Jesus. As he says beautifully in Galatians 5:6, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Faith in Jesus Christ, in other words, entails doing good deeds, not because two things save you, faith and deeds but simply because faith is trusting the one who called on us to love our neighbor as ourself. It's that simple. James, though, addresses a different crowd altogether. His readers aren't nervous about missing out on the blessings of the Messiah. They were Jewish Christians, after all. They thought of themselves as the chosen people. James doesn't need to reassure them of their status as God's people. He needs to remind them of what Paul says in Galatians 5.6, namely that faith in God and Christ must express itself in deeds of love. Here in James chapter 2 verses 20 to 26, the brother of Jesus is doing battle with believers who think that it's actually possible to have faith in the one true God without any commitment to the Messiah's law of love. And once we see this, Everything James says is perfectly understandable and beautifully in accord with the rest of the New Testament. Well, continuing on from his insistence that believers show mercy to the poor, James offers evidence, as he says, that faith without deeds is useless. He calls on Abraham as his first witness in verses 21 to 23. Was Abraham's faith a deedless faith? No way, says James. Abraham trusted God so much that he was willing to sacrifice his own son, Genesis 22. His faith was not only a conviction about the existence of God, it was a conviction that was made complete, James says, shown to be true faith by his deeds of devotion. And so was fulfilled the statement of Genesis 15.6 that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. See, to believe in God in the scriptural sense, argues James, involves a commitment to loving action. That's why verse 24 says that faith alone does not justify. Because faith which is alone isn't real faith. Real faith is always matched by love. James's second witness there in verse 25 is a far less significant Old Testament character. It's Rahab the prostitute from Joshua chapter 2. Now, Rahab's belief in the one God of Israel moved her, James points out, to show hospitality to some Israelite spies and to help them escape from Jericho without any harm. By using this particular example, James may be suggesting that even a pagan prostitute had a better understanding of true faith than some in his readership. James would be horrified if we got to the end of chapter 2 of his letter, thinking only about the doctrines of faith and works. As important as this theology is, it's not the main point of this part of God's word. What theology there is here is intended to move us to perform the particular kinds of deeds James has been talking about ever since chapter 127. Talking about caring for the poor and hungry. Now let's be clear, the scriptures don't advocate giving away all of our wealth, except on a few occasions. What they do urge is that we be generous in proportion to our wealth. In a lovely play on words in 1 Timothy 6 verse 17 and 18, Paul insists that the rich in this world should be rich in good deeds, which he immediately defines as being generous and willing to share. Now, whether or not I regard myself as rich, the point is that we should be generous according to our means. If I can afford to buy CDs or go out to a restaurant or go away for holidays or attend the theatre and so on, I can afford to give equal portions to the poor, can't I? What else could loving my neighbour as myself mean in monetary terms? Well, on the assumption that generosity should be in proportion to wealth, I want to suggest tonight that we all consider being as generous to our poorer brothers and sisters as we are luxurious with ourselves. There's nothing wrong with buying a $30 CD. But when I do, it's a great reminder that I could just as easily send an equal amount to, say, World Vision, that wonderful Christian aid organisation. An occasional feast at my local takeaway restaurant is a privilege of living in the Western world and it's to be enjoyed with thankfulness. But when I do this, it reminds me that I could just as easily set aside an equal amount for, say, Opportunity International or Tier Australia, two more Christian organisations specialising in development projects. Be as generous to the poor as you are luxurious with yourself. What else could loving your neighbour as yourself mean? Let's pray. Father, thank you for all that you've given me, spiritually and materially. Enable me by your Spirit to live with true faith, to care for those in need, and to be generous in proportion to my wealth. Through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen. Hope 103.2. Thanks for listening.